As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. On today's episode of Android's Dungeon, Gen Con. Are you sick of it? I hope not, because you're getting more. Harry Hall with his extended list. JJB, probably going to weigh in. Probably some venting to do as well. And a special mystery request. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting at the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario, Canada. <clears throat> it is almost the end of summer, uh, which means that all those games we were or were not playing, you know, start to weigh heavily on a man. You start to think about things that could have been, things that were, things that never will be. <laughs> Am I right, Joel? It's a summer of sacrifice. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, as usual. Things that never will be, we will talk about Ragusa. <laughs> you know, uh, you just heard Harry Hall, uh, many times confirmed friend of the show. Thank you for coming back, Harry, for uh, this Com- will be the second. Comrade of the show. Comrade of the show. It's an upgraded. We've got tiers now, and you can pay if you pay a certain <laughs> like amount a to us on Patreon. Yeah. Please go to our Patreon that doesn't exist. <laughs> Harry pays $50 a week yeah, for, the, for the comrade tier. <laughs> what, what does that give we you access to? make it worth to? as well. It's good. I get nudes. Yeah, we can yeah, we can't talk nudes? about all of them on the radio. <laughs> You get nude? <laughs> just the private cam shows and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you can of check Mark. it. Of, of Mark? <laughs> Mark doesn't know about that one. So. I didn't say the full name. So yeah. Could be uh, any Mark. You can check us out on Twitter, 80 Radio CFRU, email androidsdungeon at CFRU.ca or insta, insta at androidsdungeoncfru. Uh, aside from that, let's get right into it. Uh, Gen Con happened a little while ago. The now, you guys, is Origins bigger or what's the story here? Gen Con is bigger. Yeah, it's a mix. Of, Gen Con is a larger convention itself. I think Origins, because it's slightly early, earlier in the year, has maybe even more a similar amount or more board game releases. Releases, yeah. Well, I was looking at, at Era was actually released at Origins, but as like a preview, kind of like Letter Jam, and then it was actually forced. Which one's Gen Era? Con, so. Uh, Matt Leacock's latest offering. Is that on your list? Oh, it's on the list. Okay, we'll get to that in a second then. Yeah. Uh, because I was talking to somebody about Gen Con, and in my mind, I immediately started thinking of Origins as well. Because they asked me, oh, is it the biggest one? And I thought, I, I don't know. It, but I don't know. I'm, I'm confident to say it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... By it's, attendance, I think so. Yeah, I think by attendance and by the number of even... If you include Vendors all the non-board game events, right? Right. I mean, all the board game publishers are there, I think... It's a, more of a question, I guess, of which board games are available. And it's kind of a toss-up, whether it's Origins or whether it's Gen Con. Interesting. Gen Con is closer to us. so. And it's the one you guys have been to. So <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it's the biggest. It's mm-hmm. the best. 
So uh, we finished off last week on a semi-cliffhanger because Harry has a list in front of him. And by list, I mean it's on his phone, and it's a, it's a spreadsheet. This is a Google Doc. It's huge. Oh, it's a Google Sheet. It's a Google Sheet. And there are maybe, it looks like, 50 games on there. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to try to wrap it up today. We're gonna, this is the last day of Gen Con. We, you we know probably what? promise. Exactly. And it's early in the show, so right now we're feeling hopeful and full of uh, optimism. So let's, you know, we can, we can dawdle for a little bit. Let's have some fun here. So, Harry, let's get the ball rolling. Talk about what's on your list. So, yeah, I mean, last uh, episode, I guess we did a little more in-depth dive into some of these games. But uh, as for these other games that were pretty solid... Uh, I guess we'll just run through these, starting with um, Pipeline. Okay. Um, Pipeline is is really intriguing game. It's like one of those uh, a puzzle you might play in like a you know Legend of Zelda or like some other video game where you're laying out pipes and the pipes are on squares and they have to match up and line up to each other. But that's like one tenth of the game. It was a flash game. It was. It came with Windows 3.1, a game called Pipe Dreams. And right. Any exactly. kid who grew up with those machines or knew a kid with those machines was aware of this. Or, and totally. Bioshock even had this dumb mini game. Whenever you hacked something, you had to put pipes, boop, 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 and then eventually the water, the, the sludge is going to go through. Yeah, it's it made a zero classic sense, puzzle fair. Classic yeah. puzzle. Uh, Pipeline, before I jump down, Harry on here, is that one of the rare games we were saying before the show that was kickstarted, but for me actually showed up before actually kickstarted. Right. <laughs> showed up at a reasonable time. and. It's beautiful. The game is sprawling, and I, I think I don't. Know, I think we talked about this with Kayla, mm-hmm. well, you guys a while ago, but the game is just the the table footprint is insane. Like setting it up on the, uh, it's impossible for me to play inside the house right now. Let's just put it that way. And uh, there's a lot to look at with it. But anyway, Harry, please. I, I only had a couple. I only had the chance to play a couple turns of Pipeline, um, but you own it and you've played a couple games, mm-hmm. right? What do you think about it? It's a weird game. It's there's a lot going on and it goes so quickly and it, it's it, it, you you look at it and you think tile placement and it's kind of like oh I'm just building these pipelines. Oh boy, that's fun. That is just like you said a tenth of the game because it's really a very it's how did I describe it before? It's 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 power grid mixed with uh, Carcassonne. That's I think that's what I was saying because you're imagine Carcassonne only with roads but the roads are multicolored. And it's power grid because you have resources you're buying from the market, but you're selling to the market in this one as well. And you're balancing end game goals and you're worrying about affording things because time, everything costs so much cash and you're just trying to make everything work within a reasonable amount of time. Are there bio terrorists that attack the pipeline? No, but if you want, you can just have a cat walk by and (laughs) (laughs) just smash stuff. It's up to you. Anyway, pipeline is gorgeous and uh, I upgraded... I'm a sucker. I paid extra for the metal cubes that come with it and just adds oh, a certain yeah. je ne sais quoi to the whole uh, uh, pump and crude business. For sure. I, I think my biggest complaint about Pipeline is that at first blush, it seems like it is a kind of somewhat challenging tile placement game where you're struggling to lay out these tiles in a way that makes sense. But yeah. actually, it's barely a challenge to lay out the tiles and the, the real strategy is in the rest of the game. So I yeah. think it initially comes off as... Uh, maybe a slightly lower complexity game about tile placement, but really it's kind of like a complex uh, resource management, like action management Absolutely, game. and there's also the fact that you can you can dump tiles wherever you like, but the, what you're trying to do is you've got to maximize the, the certain amount of tiles that go. And in bigger player games, it gets tougher because it's very easy to grab lots of tiles, and someone, if they're feeling nasty, can kind of look at what you're doing. Oh, that's nice. And then just scoop up some malicious tiles from you, and you're stuck staring at this pathetic array of pipes. It's a neat game. I was very, very happy with it. I'm looking forward to getting it out again. But <coughs> excuse me. All right, pipeline from Capstone Games. Yeah. Recommends. Uh, next game we had a chance to play a, a full game of. Oh. 
of uh, Ragusa. Uh, All right. Ragusa. This is an example of a game that showed up way after. Let's, let's watch <laughs> Jack. Also, also from also from Capstone Games. Yeah, I believe. So you have received it. Yeah, I've got it. Nice. I mean, Ragusa very similar to. I think we talked a little bit about um, Suburbia mm-hmm. last episode, and it's kind of a similar idea. In Ragusa, you have a, a grid. And you place workers on the intersection of the grid, the same as you would do for Settlers of Catan. Mm-hmm. And when you place the worker on the intersection of three hexes, it triggers an action of each of the hexes. So mm. each hex has an action on it. And then each other worker who has a each other player who has a worker on one of those hexes Benefits also gets the it. action. So there's a kind of chain reaction. Mm. That's kind of yeah, cool. what's going on. But the workers are houses. Yes, the workers are houses. Hold on, are they worker shaped or are they houses? They're just houses. They're oh, houses okay. and they stay there. All right. And you can yeah. build towers over them. The idea is that you're, I guess, developing a city. So there's kind of like a, there's outside of the city where mm-hmm. you gain resources. And then there's inside of the city where the actions are using those resources to generate points. All right. And uh, you finished the whole game of this, one or two? Uh, just one game of it. And what'd mm-hmm. you guys think? Uh, it was good. good. Yeah. I think it suffers. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It, it was a solid, solid game. I think if you um, kind of appreciate that, uh, I mean, like like I do, I guess that kind of like action optimization. Right. There's there's a lot of different strategies you can pursue within the game. Um, it suffers be- from the same thing that um, we mentioned, like Power Grid mm-hmm. suffers from in the last like few turns of the game. It gets very complex mm. um, because for each worker you place, uh, sorry, each house, house you build. that you build, yeah, it's uh, it's triggering multiple players' other houses. So there's you're doing that math, like oh, you know, I put it here, this action triggers, gets me this nine points, but it gains my opponent five points, and so you see, you were saying it boils, it gets bogged down, and you doing some quick math and trying to optimize mm. the decision rather than maybe not necessarily going on a gut feeling, but it, it becomes too, well, kind of like how Scythe even has a rule right in the end where it's saying if someone's ad- doing too much math, like they set a timer or something. Totally, yeah. exactly. And, and that's in contrast to, the, contrast to the first turns in the game where you are triggering the actions, but it's not triggering for anyone else. Mm. And, and it's like... So a drag by. too is actually... Get X resource. And it's very <clears> simple <throat> at the beginning. And then at the end, it's like, okay, you get X resource and then you build two things and you have to decide where to place them. And then your opponent gets to place two. And then you put build an additional one <laughs> because of the order right. uh, around the hex. And yeah, a lot happens in each turn at the end. For sure. Uh, but a, a game that I would like to own. Uh, oh, solid game, yeah. Interesting. So I what was the... Did you play it two-player? Uh, we played four, th- three, three, three. Rando. Yeah. Was, well, he's um, Ron. Yeah. Friend of friend of the group who kind of jumped on at the last moment. And <laughs> didn't have anything else to do yeah. but hang out with us in the hot games. Room. Friend of a friend of a group who helped right. me who helped me win. I, I may say. Yeah, he, he was very. Um, he he didn't do the kingmaker, math. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? It wasn't very close. So yeah. <laughs> I I spent like. 60% of the game working towards a goal which I thought existed, which didn't exist. Yeah. We didn't read the end game scoring before, uh, before we played. So mm-hmm. by the time the end of the game uh, rolled around, we assumed that Joel had been amassing points this whole time. Turned out he wasn't. All of that was worth about 11 points. Yeah. Hey, I thought it was worth about points. 70. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a bit of a gap. All right, Ragusa, yeah. another game from Capstone. Um, point Salad, really, really light game Cute. from AEG, I think. The Cursed Company. <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's speak his name. <laughs> really simple, kind of just like a, a deck of cards game. Uh, on one side of it, you have a vegetable. And on the other side of it, you have a point multiplier. So, for instance, the point multiplier might say you get two points for every tomato, one point for every cucumber, and minus two points for every radish. Okay. I don't know if those vegetables are the sure. right vegetables in the game. but And then the flip side of it, 
like on the reverse of the point side will be you know tomatoes vegetables like radishes cucumbers all those other kind of lettuce lettuce is the most important ingredient in salad lettuce um and the whole kind of game is you are drafting cards from a face-up kind of like by pile in front of you mm-hmm. um, and you each kind of take turns to take a card and when you take it you can put it I think on the point side or the vegetable side but on your turn I think you can flip back so if you have a point card and that point card gives you minus two points for every tomato mm-hmm. and you all of a sudden have a lot of tomatoes you can instead I think flip your point card back into the reverse side which might be like a cucumber and get mm-hmm. you more points. Interesting. Really simple, really Delicious. light, pretty easy to play. And, and What's the scale to? Is this like borderline uh, Sushi Go Party? Uh, I mean, I think it's easier than Sushi Go Party. It's really understandable. Um, I mean, it's even easier than I would say a lot of card games. Definitely something you could play with like your six-year-old. Totally, yeah. Wait, yeah. How many people can I play? I think it can play up to six. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's it's solid. I mean, it's just a deck of cards. There's no other components. Who who publishes this? Uh, I think this is from AEG. Oh, that's right. You yeah. mentioned that. Yeah. Um, how much do you think it would retail for? Ooh, I don't know. I mean, 15? given the fact that it's AEG and it's a deck of cards, $25. <laughs> 50 US dollars plus shipping, 40 or so. <laughs> All right. So does this get a recommendation? Yeah. I mean, as I don't know what the price is. I think the price would really determine whether you should buy it. Right. Because it is just a deck of cards. If it was sub but... 20, do you think yeah. it's fine? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Easy pickup. You can just keep it in your cupboard. You can bring it instead of a deck of cards and just casually play. Neat. Now, would this replace Sushi Go for you or would this be... Because what I mean is that, you know, everyone's been there where you're grabbing something from the shelf and you're thinking of like, oh, do I want to do this? Or as a kind of a light game, do you think this would enter your mind or do you think you'd really go out of your way to pick this? I think it would enter my mind. I mean, we have a Sushi Go Party, which can accommodate like up to 12 people or something mm-hmm. dumb, um, which honestly is just the most accommodating game, like a lightweight game. Yeah. This is... You know, maybe if Sushi Go Party is like a 10 on accommodating, you know, simple group games, this is maybe a 7. Okay. But uh, I would definitely want to own it. All right. Good enough. Uh, Point Salad. Point Salad. So next, Black Angel, which is a game that we didn't get to play, but there was a huge amount of buzz about at Gen Con. (laughs) Um, I honestly don't know anything about it. I don't looks know anything. Great. There's a there's a spaceship on the cover. <laughs> All right. So that looks cool. So we got a sci-fi theme. It's, it's a great looking game. It's a sci-fi theme, but I think at heart it is a Euro. All right. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Yep. I, I guess we're all going to have to find out. That's a little teaser. It's it's him. not a game that was on my radar going into Gen Con, but at Gen Con, it was probably one of the top five popular board games. I think so. Was the Kickstarter still going when you were in... Uh... It might have been. I mean, it's it's one of those games that's like a two-hour playtime, I think. Oh, that's not even um, too high, although it would probably scare a lot of people away. I'm, I'm learning sure. very quickly that two hours is often like a, a, a breaking point for a lot of people. Like there's something mental about sitting down for two hours to play a game. Hmm. Yeah, totally. All right. Suckers. Black Angel. Um, next, I had Periodic mm-hmm. from Genius Games, which I think is a pretty small independent publisher. Sounds that way. It's, the game is essentially just a periodic table. I don't know if you saw this one, Joel, but uh, nope. it's it's just a periodic table. Sounds educational. You, you have a player marker that can move between the elements on the periodic table, and in order to move, you have to spend, like, atomic energy. Okay. And so th- that's basically a game. It's pretty light. You, you need to get to certain... Um, to form like compound molecules you need to get to certain elements like you know to form this molecule i need to get to carbon and i need to get to oxygen and i need to get to silicon let's say hold on is this a pick up and deliver set in the world of the periodic table it is not a pick up and deliver 
quite. <laughs> I mean, it's it's close. It's even lighter than that okay. in the context of there's not even any resources. You just need to visit these yeah. and you get a point card. Sure. Um, and then you get bonuses for moving in certain directions. Um, and that's it. It was uh, pretty simple. And if you have kids, pretty good game, actually. All right. Peri- this was called Periodical? or what? It's called Periodic. Periodic. All right. And what do you think? How much do you think this would cost? I would estimate this probably costs like forty bucks. Oh, all right. So it's a full on. Uh, yeah, I mean, it has a it has a big game board. It they, I mean, the game looks really nice. Okay. Like really nice, kind of like blue pastels. Sure. Um, it's really visually appealing and it's softly educational. You know, you, you don't really learn much, but well, you're staring it's at a you know absorbing table. something about yeah, yeah. And, and you know the movement is like the the way the movement works is. Um, you know, there's there's four movement actions, or sorry, there's five movement actions, and the movement actions are like increase or decrease your atomic number. Mm-hmm. You know, move up and down your atomic weight, stuff like that. All right. So you kind of kind of learn about the periodic table a little bit. Fair enough. Uh, so would you pick this up? Um, personally, no, um, because I guess it's a little bit light, but I think it only can play up to five. Okay. And just doesn't really have space in my cupboard. All right. You know? So just a quick interlude here. I think Joel and I kind of talked about this a little bit before, but um, have you guys hit the point where you, you've you started to make the, the – or ask yourself the question, do I need another light midweight euro uh, <laughs> on my shelf that doesn't necessarily do anything new? Like you can kind of go, well, it's, it's like Viticulture but or it's like Concordia but, and you kind of go, do I really need the but question? I think I hit that point pretty early with like Uwe Rosenberg games because there's Shut so many mouth. there's so what? many reused <laughs> there's so many reused mechanics. Gotta catch that, them all. Yeah. For instance, Feast for Odin contains like every game mechanic from each individual <laughs> game that, that he has designed. He's got us there. Yeah. Except for uh, maybe Bonanza. Yeah, Bonanza kind Sorry, of re- every the, good game mechanic. Yeah, yeah. there we go. <laughs> Appealing to uh, someone here. Uh, interesting. Okay. All right. So periodical. Or periodic, excuse me. I would also add to that that, um, you know, I'm starting to look at my shelf and think that maybe I have too many games. Mm-hmm. And we'll, maybe we'll talk about it another time. But sure. uh, how, how are we going to get rid of games in order to make room for new ones? The Purge. That'd be yeah. a good subject for a show. Let's do that. Uh, moving on. Harry. Uh, next one I had was Coral Islands from Alley Cat Games. Okay, another small publisher, if there is one. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's kind of what, a hybrid between Reef and uh, Sagrada, let's say. All so, right. Um, in Reef, if you've ever played it, you are building a coral reef. You have your player board, which is I think maybe a five by five grid, and on each space in a grid, grid uh, each space on the grid, you can stack little plastic reef mm-hmm. tiles. I, I love Reef. I would recommend it. Absolutely. Um, in Coral Islands, it's fairly similar, except that instead of stacking plastic um, reef pieces, you are stacking dice, and the face on the top of the dice tower matters. So if you have three dice and the top one is a five on top, that matters, and, and there's it, it has its own point scoring system. Mm-hmm. Overall, though, I would the first thing that we thought when we looked at the game was this is kind of a ripoff of Reef, uh-huh. and I think that the way that Reef works with the action cards which you use to gain new reef pieces yeah. and score points is honestly a big improvement over this game. Interesting. Joel, what were your thoughts? Well, I actually remember looking at this, but I think you told me about it and I agreed with you that mm. reef it was sounded just like generally better. It's a reef off. Let's move on. All over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's one of these things. Did it come out, was it in development at the same time as reef? Like spent four yeah, years? I mean, and... I mean, I think reef only came out last year, so yeah. it's pretty close. All right, so this is a pass. This is the first pass, I think, of the list, would you say? Yeah, Aside I mean, from the, periodic. There's some other passes on here that we took a very short look at. Um, 
and that we passed over, such as, I guess I should mention Cloudspire from Chip Theory. Chip Theory is a really weird publisher in that they publish board games that are not quite board games. Okay. They're board games that appeal to, you know, like RPG players or in this case, like MOBA players. Miniatures? Yeah. So like Chip Theory, their games always, they have, um, uh, what do you call those? Like soft player mats. I don't oh, you know like the, the fabric, of, uh, yeah, like, 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 like rubber and pad? fabric. Yeah, like a mouse pad, exactly. What? Yeah, like so too many I've bones. I've never has played it. a game that uses those. So yeah, I mean, Chip Theory, Too Many Bones, Cloud Spire, and a couple other games, and they, yeah, they always have these kind of mouse pad style why? mats, and then they do cutouts in them, which I actually really like. Okay. I, I actually love their mats. I'm not Scythe-esque. gonna lie. Yeah, like Scythe, where you have your player mat, and like there's cutouts in the player mat for everything that you would think of. Like if you have dice, you just put them in the cutout and you kind of right, shift them around cool. your board. I really like it. And they, they also love using uh, like heavy poker chips, like plastic poker oh, chips. Oh, nice. Um, they have miniatures. Um, I don't really like any of their games. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really too bad. Yeah, the same with Too Many Bones. It's like, man, this looks great, but it's really expensive, and I don't know how much fun I'm going to have. Yeah, yeah, like Too Many Bones, and there's, like, no replayability. Yeah. Like, Chelsea and don't I... give me a free pin, though. At uh, Gen Con 2018, we played Too Many Bones, and we played through a full, like... You play, like, a six-battle scenario or whatever, and we played through a full scenario, and we thought, oh, that was a fun game. That was kind of enjoyable, but, that like, that was it. Don't we played it. Play it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this year I had a whole room... Did uh, which did is the, a lot of space? Did the Shunquan for... sit down video come out before Gen Con about too many bones? I think it was. Yeah, yeah, they did talk about it. And they <clears> really, <throat> they kind of said what you and Chelsea said. They said they really enjoyed it and they don't want to play it again. Yeah, which is and uh, it's really expensive. Well, that you reach some of these games. I feel like are because it was a Kickstarter, wasn't it? Or am I incorrect mm. on that one? Yep. It's 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 like they're. I don't want to say bait. But it's definitely a type of game that you'd like. You'd go over to some guy's house that you know he doesn't know. Maybe he likes board games. He likes video games and all that stuff. You go over there. It's like Chuck, this game I kickstarted. And it's, you it's mean too many bones? Talking about betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> betrayal betrayal the house on the hill. <laughs> um, no, yeah, definitely in the same vein as that. So, so Cloud Spire was new this year from Chip Theory, um, and again looked really nice. Mm-hmm. Components were really cool. The general kind of theory of the game is that it is a MOBA. So. Yeah. There is a, a kind of shared battleground. There's um, uh, full of hexes. There are, I think, generally lanes on it. And then you have your tower that is on it. I sure. think it can play up to five players. Uh, or is it six? I think it can play up to six, six players. Six would make sense. Because yeah. it's like it's a map. Three on three. And you can do three on three, exactly. Um, and in it, you have minions that automatically spawn and move across the map. And I think you have like a hero character who can kind of mo- you directly control and can move across the map. But... It kind of just seemed like a shoehorning MOBA onto a board game. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot of mechanical stuff that happens in a MOBA computer game, which is a lot to manage in a board game or that they have eliminated. And there's a couple games like this, too. There was something, a comment that was posted a little while ago on one of the forums I like to read. And it was basically the guy saying, and I agreed with him completely, is that he's reached a point in some of these games where the complexity level is, it's not necessarily the game is that complex, but the amount of administration and upkeep, like managing everything in the game to maintain the game state or advance it becomes so cumbersome that you realize somebody just turned a computer game into a board game. Yeah, and it's like, oh, and also... Yeah, they forgot... And this item... Yeah, yeah, and there's just... And part of, like, this... I love Gloomhaven, but sometimes I just feel like, oh, God, just, all right, did I move all these guys? Did I move him or not? What's... Did I... What's... Move the counter around a little bit and stuff? So sometimes it just bugs me, and that's what you're describing. I'm curious about what... 
like when you're describing minions moving across the map, because I think, okay, now does everyone have to move their minions down a hex and uh, take off possible status markers on these things? And just like, oh, man. I mean, to that point, like, yes and no, because there is the elimination of a lot of complexities in MOBAs, like statuses on minions and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. where it's... The upkeep is definitely too tedious, and they've removed it. But that does remove a lot of the complexity. Yeah, it's right? like you you pick. It's it's this battle you can't win. It's either complex but fun because there's a lot you can do, or you remove the complexity and it just feels bland. And like I'm chucking dice, or I'm like flipping a card, and I just something just happens. But anyway, yeah. I haven't played the game. Can't speak to it. Um, and I guess Food Chain Magnet is kind of like the reverse example, where uh-huh. Food Chain Magnet is an incredibly complex board game. It's yeah. great, and then they came out with a digital version. It's like, oh, what a relief! <sighs> and yeah. the, the digital wor- version, Twilight is Struggle, <laughs> not even. Yeah, it's like it's not even official. Twilight Struggle is official, even though the AI blows. I don't know why they can't figure that out. I can't <laughs> it's figure so it hilarious. out. But like uh, the decisions they make. Are... But yeah, with That's Food Chain, the yeah. oh, do you guys, have you guys been playing? No, I was pl- I was constantly playing during lead up to Gen Con. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think when we when we had to stay up until 4 a.m. getting had our tickets. Had to stay up. <laughs> um, I, I played it so much that I started to feel physically sick. <laughs> and now every time I try to play it, I, I feel sick again. Oh, no. <laughs> you got PTSD from, a, <laughs> from the game. Joel, you do this all the time. You play these Overdo games to it, death. Yeah. So you, it was like that uh, Command, Command and Conquer, Conquer mobile game. Oh. oh, I love this game. One week later, <laughs> I'm never playing it again. <laughs> so you stayed up in a Twilight struggle? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's right. well past Twilight. But yeah, like you were saying, Food Chain Magnet, the digital version, the part that I love about it is it handles all the stuff like the the knowing the distance, what food actually costs and who gets priority for these things. And hand because there's all these things that tick off every round too. like the app. Anyway, moving on. Totally. Don't Cl- make games too complex. So yeah, Cloudspire overall, I think they lost a lot in the transition from mm-hmm. a MOBA to a board game. I don't necessarily think that's the optimal way to do things i think that you benefit a lot from an original board game design sure say. would you disagree that like going through the the um exhibit hall that maybe like looking at all the new releases there were like 25 percent miniatures yeah like, i mean just, like a I lot of designer miniatures definitely a, just a feature of the convention itself where it's like how do you get people to buy and play your games? It you get sells. like miniatures, you get fancy components, you get component upgrade packs, um, or you component get or you get quick packs. or you get quick games that are really easy to understand. And There's no middle ground. Yeah. yeah, and it's yeah, kind of like true. so like you got to grab someone's attention, or you got to get somebody that's already sold on what exactly. they see. And, and they must sell. I mean, I mean the biggest, not one of the, not the biggest, but I guess one of the bigger booths in terms of floor space is Kingdom Death. And it's big in terms of floor space because yeah. they're just showing off miniatures. And mm-hmm. it must work. People must buy a it's ton of miniatures. It's a wall of giant miniatures, too, yeah, exactly. aside from over here, all the stuff that they're doing. Well, mm-hmm. it's the game. That's what – I don't want to say it's the OG miniature farm game, but that's what – like, you're exactly what you guys said. It's like you, there's only so much real estate in somebody's brain for the attention you're trying to grab. And totally. when they walk and by, they either see something quick and stupid and go, hmm. Nice. Or, oh, look at the model on this guy. Look at the detail. And it's yeah. violent and dark. I suppose, awesome. like, if, if we were at a convention and we saw Agricola or we saw Food Chain Magnet just sitting there, we'd probably not even take a second look. Don't, like, don't speak too quickly, like John. Garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I'm intrigued. It's got to be so Why lame. Those components <laughs> look so bad. <laughs> I mean, like, they're definitely, I think there are a lot of people in the convention hall or who go to these conventions who are not you know, planning to visit and play test or demo every game that's in the convention hall. Mm-hmm. And for, for to your typical board games without fancy minis or without a lot of these draws, there's no alternative to figure out yeah. what's the good games. The only way to figure out what 
the really good games are is to just kind of play them all mm-hmm. or play a lot of them. In your very limited amount of time. That exactly. All right, cool. Uh, let's do one more and then we'll take a, a music break. So I think the last one <clears> that we really had to talk about was Era Medieval Age, and this is something that we played. We played a full game. And um, what they say is the it's supposed game, to replace roll, for, roll Through the Ages. That's what it says on the front page Everyone's favorite game. Board game Geek page mm-hmm. is that this is a... Um, a Re- replacement, a re-implementation of Roll Through the Ages, which, but yeah, it was it was it was fun. It was kind of a a Euro slash take that, where there was like a very light element of take that, where you could uh, steal one person's resources mm-hmm. if or steal everybody's resources, but only one. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of interesting. It was it was a dice pool builder, like Roll for the Galaxy, if yeah. you're familiar. Um, and you are using the dice to, the the faces of each die that you roll has different actions on it, and you use those actions to, for instance, build buildings on a a grid that they give you, and the buildings might add more dice to your dice pool. They might add food because you have to feed people. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the dice add swords, and you use the swords to threaten your neighbors and, and <laughs> steal resources from them. Yep. Um, kind and of then a there was this good... weird skull element, which is, was like if you got one skull, it was not too bad if you got two skulls it was awful you got is it like disasters if you or got three skulls you cause damage to other people <laughs> yeah <laughs> the there was like a again. high variance take that element that's true yeah. where, where on some of the the faces of the the dice there were skulls yeah and it's like two of the six or maybe three of the six possible outcomes of having skulls based on the number you had were really bad for your opponent and the rest of them were really bad for you yep hmm. And then, and then you're not allowed to re-roll if you roll a skull. Oh, they're stuck. But there was like some building you could build where you could change the result of a die. So for sure, yeah. There's like kind of the buildings you would expect. There's buildings that are worth points. There's buildings that are point multipliers. There are buildings that let you re-roll dice in different ways. Buildings let you produce more. All right. Well, let's get right down to it. What do you guys think of it? I think that the core of the game was good. I liked it. There's a little bit of stuff I didn't like, such as threatening your neighbors, the variance of the, the, the calamities of the skulls, and then, honestly, the components were The just, player board. The player board was... It's one Was this color. a prototype? No, it was yeah, a production no, game. Sale. Like, uh, everybody was buying it. Okay. And, and it, <clears throat> it was a good idea. So the buildings have pegs in them, and cool. the board is a 12 by 12, I think, um, grid with holes for the pegs. So mm-hmm. when you when you build a building, you take the building and you slot the pegs into your board. Neat. And it's a grid. They all fit together. Really good, except that the player board is just a single yellow sheet. And I think what it needs is what you did for uh, PAX Premier. It's, it just needs to be stained. Oh. Yeah, the, exactly. The things that come out stand out because you can't. You just have to distinguish over it and get up real close in order to see what actual symbols so are. So is it yeah. poor design or is, or, or is it poor production? Or a combination of both. I think it's Noodles? it's a poor production. I think it is overall a pretty well designed game. Um, you have to you you track your resources on your player mat. They give you like you know there's four kinds of resources. There's like wood and stone, for instance, and you have a peg that you use to track just how many of each resource. Okay, classic. But because of the the just the material that the playing mat is made out of, you can never tell which resource is which. Yeah, which is too bad because the buildings are pretty. Mm-hmm. And generally, when you set up your town and you finished your town, it looks nice unless. Mm. You don't finish your walls like I did. Walls are important. Uh, so you get double points for anything inside of your walls. Okay. If you complete your walls. 
I'm, this sure. sounds really intriguing to me. It's 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 it's, it's a really good idea. I think they <clears throat> missed a couple things in um, the development phase as they're testing it, and also in the production phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think to the point where even if the components were perfect, I'd still be. It's good, but not great. I'd be a maybe on buying it. Hmm. Yeah, I'd be a maybe on buying it, but I would really like to play it again. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what player count? Four. Four. Yeah. See, which, which is one of those things. And you guys are playing at optimal almost amounts. Like, when I hear you say, oh, I play with three, it's like three, well, you never know. Four, if a game doesn't work at four, then it, it, that's pretty rare. Usually it's like four is the best, yeah. unless you're in these rare cases where you play full six players or something, or somebody says, this game is, is a two-player game. Like, uh, what's it, uh, Santorini, apparently you can play four people or something if you wanted to. But no, this is a two-player mm-hmm. game. What are you talking about? So, all right, cool. Uh, one last note, if sure. I can. Did we talk about Sinister Six? No. Yeah, so let's quickly bomb a game. Yeah. Brrr, you suck. Don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Sinister Six. Go on. What is Sinister it? Six? I guess it's uh it's Spider Man. The six villains. It's like the six villains from Spider Man. Um, it was there's a lot of buzz about it, a lot of interest in the game Why? because it's Spider Man themed. I think it, it just because of the theme there mechanically. A friend of ours that was like it was the only game they wanted to check out. Yeah. This game sucks. Oh, sucks. Hold on. It's been a long time since there was an outright bomb. That we talk about because usually things are just disappointing our or bland. Demo. Or... Yeah, <laughs> yeah got we, we demoed go. it, and after like two turns, we were like, mm, "Okay, we don't want yeah, it." <laughs> Gotta go. How do we end this as quickly? Yeah, as ultimately, possible. you each play a supervillain. You have a limited number of actions that you can take during the game, yeah. and you use those actions to engage in heists. And from the heists, you gain rewards. You gain like cash. You gain intel. You gain I don't know gems. Sure. But Gems. they're they're face down cardboard tokens and they're worth a random amount. They're all meaningless. And they're I mean, all meaningless. Yeah. So what you end up with is the at the end of the game, you all flip up your collected loot and whoever has the most value amongst their loot wins. But because it's a random, it's just a toss up. So I think at the end of the game I won because I was just lucky. I think I had you the had a fewest bunch of eights or something. I might have had the fewest number of tokens, but I had gotten really ones. lucky because I had just gotten the most valuable ones. So it's all drawn from the same pool. Yeah, exactly. Although I think that I think the difference between the tokens um, is a bit like um, Panic on Wall Street. It's like the you know the colors like range. This one's mm-hmm. in the negative four. I was going to say there, there must have been and something. And these are between three and five. So there's safer tokens and and tokens that could be worse, but also better. But that was the first thing I thought of when you're just describing the problem. Was like you just make add a push your luck element. Like oh, you can decide the rob this bank that's like the, or the payday sure. loan place or you can go right downtown around. I think it's more of a question of how much the push your luck element determines the end of the game yeah. because there is a piece I think that is worth either a 1, an 8, or a 9. Now the game will end with few enough points. The game might end like we ended it with what? Like 55 points or yeah. something like that. The difference between 1 and an 8 or a 9 in a 50 point game is huge. Yep. Like that will determine the winner and it's... that's one token. And you're saying you got this from just like you only got three tokens or something. You get you them all the face. Yeah, down I had and... like I had like five tokens and I won. I don't know. It, it'll probably sell like hotcakes. You'll see in every store. Yeah. And uh, it's, but I, I'm confused why where it, the buzz is coming from. That's what it's, it's quick enough that we could de- the demo was the whole game. All right, but I don't know. Maybe maybe it's fun. one of these like games. You again, you go over to that guy's house. He doesn't really have many board games. <laughs> Pull this Sinister Six. And you're like, all right, <laughs> all right, let's have some fun here for a minute. Have you guys tried cards against humanity? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well. Yeah, we can talk about something in a minute. But anyway, all right, we're going to take a music break. Be back in a second.
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was the feral kids, or children, I forget what, from uh, Espectrostatic. Uh, I forget where he's based from. I should. I already closed the window, so I don't care. But uh, I think I'm going to say he's a yank, and I like his music. You can check him out on Bandcamp. Uh, he does a real kind of the cinematic uh, dark synth stuff that I'm so fond of. But anyway, moving on. We just, uh, I don't think we're, t- are we done with Gen Con, guys? What do you think? I think we're about done with Gen Con. Until uh, somebody remembers something else that happened to the Gen Con or something that relates to Two more to things to say. Two more things. All right, Joel. One, accommodations at Gen Cons are difficult to get, and you put yourself into the lottery, and you hope that you get into a hotel nearby. <laughs> oh yeah, there God. is a housing lottery. It's that busy. Uh, yeah. Okay. And if I think if you volunteer as a DM or something like that, then you get free housing, which is pretty cool. That's pretty good. But, but then you got to spend 16 yeah. hours of your Gen Con uh, DMing. So you can uh, really like DMing. Yeah. You do that. Although you think about all the amount of people that love Dungeons and Dragons, and they probably spend their whole year working towards this campaign, testing it out in their cruddy groups. But you yeah. got to impress the. Uh... Well, actually, I'll, I'll mention the first thing. We'll go away from housing for a second. I'll quickly say that I got to try a D and D camp or session that Harry had done the year before. I don't know if it was the same session, but it was the same guy. This guy has been running D and D at Gen Con for forty years. Holy smokes. He's a pretty cool guy. Yeah, he'd missed like 11 Gen Cons total yeah. <laughs> since the start. <laughs> it's wild. And so he was a lot of fun, and he was an excellent DM, really inspiring how, for someone that's trying to figure things out. How? Do, what was his style of DMing? I'm curious. Well, he gave, he gave you like a lot of extra options. So like if you were thought you were going to die, you could die in a really cool way. Neat. In which case you'd get some kind of bonus. And uh, <laughs> a lot of that came with the campaign we were doing. It was a one-off. It was really difficult. Huh. You'd actually just respawn next to your allies if you died. All right. Um, it was called Necropolis of the Mailed Fist. And it's like $10 on drive-thru D&D. I might pick it up because wow. a one-off that you can just throw out at people and you start a level eight and you got all these cool characters to yeah. do and everything. It was definitely worth it. Cool. Uh, back to accommodation. Uh, Harry... Or maybe his girlfriend, I don't know, found some really good accommodation. Yeah, I just want to give a shout-out recommendation for KOA. Wow, Campgrounds of America. <laughs> never you, thought I'd hear Harry. <laughs> honestly, if you are going to Gen Con or thinking about going to Gen Con or even, like, Origins or another convention, check out K- KOA. It was probably... Just Indianapolis in general. Yeah, or just Indianapolis. The KOA outside of Indianapolis was a 20-minute drive from the city center. It was about a third of the price of hotel prices, maybe a quarter of the price of peak hotel prices. Yep. And we had a cabin with a shower, you know, and AC. bedrooms, AC. Incredible. It was uh, pretty luxurious. There's a pool that uh, that Joel went to. <laughs> you went swimming, Joel? Uh, yeah, I yeah. did. Well, okay, it's I didn't go bit, swimming. I would have gone swimming. I'm not judging. It was about judging. two or three feet deep. Yeah, so. it was a bit more uh, sketchy than that. It was more like Joel showed up alone <laughs> with a six-pack of beer with a splash, <laughs> and it was a splash pad. <laughs> I did bring oh, a beer. <laughs> It's like Jack Earl Haley and yeah. the, what's that movie? All the Children or something. <laughs> anyway. All right. KOA. And they're around in Canada, but you shouldn't use them in Canada. <laughs> or do it. I don't care. Uh, all right. So after this shout out, Joel, was there a request you wanted to make? Yeah. So fulfill? I had a special request. I wrote, wrote it down just so that I would remind myself. Um, do you know, um, she, she works in your area. Um, and there's two girls with like almost the exact same name. So I'm going to say it's Aishu, A-I-S-H-U, and not Aisu, A-Y-S-U. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Harry's looking at me. Oh, I got her name here, yeah. Aishu Mystery has sent a request to us because she listened to our show and she thinks 
that she knows the best game and she wants us to talk about it. Can right. you guys guess the game? I'm a little nervous. The best game. She went to Ryan's <laughs> house, Mr. Smith, and uh, and played a game, and she's blown away by it, and she thinks that we should talk about it, and she thinks it's the best game. The best game. Settlers of Catan. Mm-mm. I'll take it's the best game. You have to go back a little further. Back further than Settlers of Catan. Uh, yeah, it's Settlers mm-hmm. been out for a while. Significantly. <laughs> Diplomacy. Not that far. Okay. Oh. <laughs> this, we've got a very wide yep. window here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's Boggle. Boggle. She was blown away by Boggle, and she wants to to, to Peggy introduce Hill. Boggle. <laughs> I think and I have some homework to do. Or at least I have some homework so to do. So do you guys know how to play Boggle? Boggle? I no idea. You've never played Boggle. Never played Boggle. I find one of the most stressful. There are a couple of games out there that cause anxiety to me, <laughs> and Boggle is one of them. So, so I've collected a... a grouping of information about Boggle. What? For us to talk about. But I thought, first of all, do you guys know how to play? Absolutely. No, can you can you describe so, Boggle to me? Jack, give us a give us Boggle an is a word game and it's still good to this day, which is, says a lot because a lot of word games I find uh, are quite good because there's something fundamentally I don't know, creative and difficult that comes with these, that, with these games. And you've got all these dice faces essentially that are letters and you've got this container that they're encased in and you shake them up you put it down and all of a sudden these letters are all jumbled up on the in this grid and what you're supposed to do is you are you allowed to look at them yeah you can look at them and Mm. then you flip over a timer and boom you have to start building words that go around you have to move um uh, you have to move from dice to dice essentially and create words and whoever makes the best and or most and most longest words gets the most points wins oh kind of like is it like bananagrams i I think there's some similarities but uh anyway letters it's a very (laughs) it's a stressful game so you're allowed to make as many words as you want you get three minutes um in older versions there were four minute timers oh uh, basically, you're yeah, like like Jack said, you probably want to get to as many three-letter words as you can real quick, and start working on the fours and fives, um, and that's basically it. It's whoever gets the here's the scoring. It's uh, you basically you get, I think one point for every three-letter word, two points for every four, and then th- three points for five, four points for six and seven. So you, it's diminishing returns. Actually, short words help you more. And interestingly enough, they implemented a QU um, because Q, if not followed by you, so if not falling oh. adjacent to you, is almost useless and mm-hmm. kind of kills that area. Yeah. So they it's have, a neat game. We have a single single die, which is QU. Yeah. So. And it Our also face. counts as two letters, right? Obviously, because it's two points mm-hmm. to use that. Um, so you, you know, strategy resolves around that. But um, sadly enough, um, as far as tournament goes, uh, Boggle, <laughs> Boggle lives in the shadow of its predecessor. The Scrabble, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So Scrabble is competitively played. Get anybody want to venture a guess when Scrabble was invented? Nineteen uh, twenty-three. Close. 1938. All right. Wow. I'll take it. <laughs> it's, it's Price is Right rules. Old game. Yeah. So obviously Boggle invented some 50 years later. Um, it's kind of like a, a Scrabble Junior. And there are some groups, local groups, that will run their own tournaments. But generally, Scrabble, I think, has a national and an international committee that oversees tournaments and is widely respected, whereas Boggle is kind of a... Bog- Boggle is respected. great. It, it is a great game. I just don't want to play it most of the time. And 
if somebody says, hey, do you want to play Boggle? I, I have to look at them, figure out what sort of person they are. And then, All right, let's play Boggle. <laughs> and then yeah. play around, call it a day. It's up there with, not quite as bad as Yahtzee for me, because Yahtzee is just like, you know, you shake the dice, call it a day. It's, but Boggle, it's like your brain is on trial. You gotta go fast. <laughs> and, and, you're, and you're fast. And you're looking at, you're sitting there scratching your skull. And meanwhile, the person, oh, how are they getting all these words? But well, Here's some interesting Boggle trivia. There are three words you can make that are 17 letters long using all 16 cubes. They are inconsequentially, quadricentennials, and sesquicentennials. <laughs> using all 17 letter words, also, obviously there you, go, Harry, you keep need to use the version with the QU. Oh, uh, of course. Because if it was a Q and a U separately, uh, you could only make 16 letter words. We'll have to keep an eye out for those next time we play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all so right. Shout out to Boggle and Aishu for her request. Joel, what have you played recently? Um, so yesterday I got out um, Container, which you'll be happy to know is in uh, your partner's vehicle right now. <laughs> I was going to say. You, you played Container yesterday Harry. when it was sitting on my desk? <laughs> no, I actually played uh, <laughs> somebody else's desk. container. <laughs> so yeah, Harry has had Jack's Container for some time, and it's just been sitting at his desk in Jack's I didn't know it was just sitting it, there so. the whole time. It's uh, I played a couple so lunchtime games, but... Uh... Did you play with your group? Uh, not since, not during the summer, I guess it's been a, been a while. Okay. But we did play with my, with my weekly group. Yeah. Sure. And speaking of stealing, uh, games and game components back, um, <laughs> for Jack on Jack's behalf, I also found a stolen timer from Codenames. Uh, it, <laughs> John Fetima had two timers sitting Were in his Codenames after he had borrowed Codenames from Jack. And <laughs> so I stole that back. You're like Indiana Jones. It belongs yeah. in Jack's it belongs museum. belongs in Jack's museum. Because <laughs> we're always sitting there with the timer and code names. If only there was a way we could. <laughs> anyway. But Container got $146. We just had this incredible economy going and everybody was doing great. And so everybody was bidding like 15 17 on oh, every wow. set of cubes that were coming in. And I made a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. Did, did you play with the investment bank rules? No, no we've, never, we've never played with them. They say that you them. should play with them, and they even recommend them for first-time players, but I don't think any of us have played with them. I've never well, even it's a heard mod. of anybody it's, playing with it. It was probably something the game had been around for so long, people were saying there are issues here, but I just get scared when I think about the bank, because it's like, the the game, the core game is so good, why do I want to add something else? But, yeah, one of the other things is that you're always teaching it to somebody. Yeah. Do you really want to include extra elements that you even don't though, understand? Well, that's it. I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. And then we go, well, we're all on the same page. Yeah. Even though they recommend it for beginners. I think they recommend it for beginners, though, so that they can't, can't run out of yourself. money. Yeah. Yeah. Which, mm. as long as they're aware of it, is something they can play around. I, want, I'm, I still don't know what it does. I have no clue. I want to say something about Container that I think is something that's becoming more and more important to me as, as I get older and play games with other people, is that there's something about Container that is just pure fun. And there's a lot of shouting and there's interaction with other people, but the game itself is just good. And that's what gets me. And because it hit me the other day, what was it? I was playing Splendor and I'm sitting there and we're, we were playing three person Splendor and we're just mindlessly grabbing stuff and doing things. And nobody's really talking to each other, but you can't, but we're, you know, we're playing this game, but in a sense, it's borderline multiplayer solitaire. Yeah. And then I think, what, what is... What do I like to do? I like to talk to people when I'm playing these games. That's why I'm doing it. Otherwise, I'd be sitting and playing a computer game. And yeah. Container just 
nails it. It's secret so, bids. Secret yeah. bids, and you're you're staring. Somebody prices something ridiculous, and you're, what are you doing? And then something <laughs> undercuts somebody else, and they're yelling at them, and you're making them <laughs> boat noises. I'm honestly, I'm surprised that container is not more highly rated for on board game geek, for instance. Like, yeah. I think it, there's two things about it. It really hits that sweet spot mm-hmm. of, like, complexity to fun. Yeah. It's really not a super complex not game. Not at all. But, wow, it just, like, you get so much impact, so much fun out of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get, like, three actions. It's, yeah, exactly. It's easy to learn. And super then, basic. And then it forces interaction. Like, you can imagine Container, a world in which in Container there's, like, four steps or five steps required from producing a good to shipping it out to market. Yeah. You can imagine a version of Container in which you can do all of those steps, those four or five steps yourself, mm-hmm. and then it mm-hmm. would be a solitaire game. But you can't do any of them yourself. You can't even go from one step to the second. You, You're forced you have rely. to rely yeah. on other people. That's funny you mentioned that because people were getting really upset thematically that they couldn't take their containers from the back of their warehouse to the front shop when there's literally a road on the card that shows. The, the better way to look at it is like raw goods versus processed goods. It's just thematically, yeah, it's yeah. like, whatever. I get what they're saying. And it's, def- it's like it's a mechanical thing that's yeah. there to encourage Forces and enforce fun. Yeah. And that's what it does. It does it in spades. And I think it's just one of those games that I... And because, like you're saying, the complexity to fun curve, the complexity is so low that I, I really have no trouble kind of thinking, like, if I'm reaching for something to teach new people or want to play something, it's like, oh, container, you container. You can sell them right away on the on the boats. Yeah. The just, beautiful boats that put the company out of business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the beautiful resin. That's right. Heavy. All right, so play container was there anything else container was great i'm glad you mentioned um splendor because this is a heartwarming little story okay um so we finished up in new brunswick we were hanging out there for a while and we decided to drive home and on the way home stop in ottawa for the night Mm -hmm. Uh, so we drive for i don't know 10 hours and we're tired and we stop at a, a kid's birthday party and we hang out there for a little bit. Joel, you're already on, on one strike with the the pool and the beer. <laughs> <laughs> Another 45 minutes. We finally make it to her aunt's place, and we're going to stay there for the night. And we walk in the door, and they're sitting at a table playing Splendor. And it was just such a wonderful little moment because we taught them Splendor probably about th- three years earlier. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of come We don't really play it anymore sometimes, but come out of our thing but it's one of those things where like you shared something with someone and then that became like a central part of their lives they play every night each other oh with my each other, god this couple well that's cute good for them and so and they haven't played cities of splendor so you know maybe we'll get them that for That'd christmas be a nice gift. A perfect gift. If, if it sounds like they're playing it every day then that's gonna be a great gift yeah i had uh chelsea and i bought splendor for her mom and it's the first board game that she'd ever played and now we play it every time we go home yeah. holy smokes conversely uh for my sister's uh parents-in-law i bought them viticulture <laughs> or sorry i told them about viticulture as just like a game that i was playing and they were like oh that sounds interesting we should buy it i didn't tell them to buy it <laughs> In I fact, like I, I would not have told them to buy it. They bought it and they tried playing it once and they just couldn't understand the rules. They hated it. But then they gifted it to me. So, <laughs> so maybe this is something bonus. you should do. That's funny because my brother, I think, listened to our first ever episode of oh, Android's nice. Dungeon and, and bought video culture off that. Does he like it? Yeah, yeah. They enjoy it. But oh. I don't think they play very often. They have young children. Patent 500 on the video culture recommendations. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. And then I played uh, something called Gorse Maximus, which is a... Yeah, I heard about that. It's a trick-taking game. So it's one of those things where you could play it with a deck of cards. It could be Euchre's. Or, Harry's face or is going crazy here. I love trick-taking games. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's basically just, oh, well, it's been reskinned with gladiator, pictures of gladiators. Sure. But uh, it was fun. Yeah. 
It's uh, I don't know how to explain it except that it's a trick-taking game. Uh, some of your, uh, all of your cards, <clears throat> no, not all of them. Most of your cards have some kind of coin value. Whoever has the most coin coin value at the end wins. But uh, eights are negative four, so you can you know slough off an eight, and then somebody ends up losing points. And then I think there's certain ones that are worth zero. So if you take a trick with a zero, good for you, because it's the lowest. Um, and those are worth either zero or five if your suit is trump at the end of the round. Interesting. So what did this? What does this play up to? Oh, good. Like question. what's the minimum? Is a better question. I'd say probably four. Four minutes. You wouldn't want to play with less than four. Kind of reminded me of Fox in the Forest mm -hmm. because Fox in the Forest could also be played with cards. Um, and I think it was you that taught me yeah. Fox in the Forest, which is a, a trick-taking game that's two-player, which seems like really difficult to do. But somehow they pulled they pull it, it off. off it's, yeah. it's, it's a, actually still an incredibly popular game and one of the top rated. Well, one thing that does, and I wish more games did this as well, and because I've talked about this before, is that I like games that punish players for going one direction like a, a train. Just like no other options. Just like I'm doing this one thing, I'm going to try to maximize my points. I like games that force you to diversify. And the one thing about Fox and Forest, to an extent, is that it punishes you for getting too many points. You're considered greedy. <laughs> so you have to find this fine line between totally. taking too many or too little. Yeah, I've played some good trick-taking games where you just play with a deck of cards, and the the person who wins is the person who has the second most. Yeah. Yeah. Second you, sum most. Up, you sum up the cards or the, right. the totals of all the cards, the tricks that you've taken. Yeah, neat. And it's the person who has the second most, and it kind of adds some conflict, which is there nice. There you go. Cool. Mm -hmm. I, I do actually have another <clears throat> trick-taking game to recommend. Oh, neat. It's called Down by the River. <laughs> Or maybe it's called Up and Down the River. Close, Unclear, yeah, you play Something with a regular de deck of cards. It is a basic trick-taking game. You flip the top card of the deck to randomize what Trump is. Mm -hmm. And then each person has to, to bet. They bet on how many tricks they're going to take with their hand after it's been dealt. So you look at your hand and you say, hmm, I think I'm going to take two tricks sure. this hand. And then you play it out and everyone plays out their cards and if you have met your bet you get 10 points plus the number of tricks, tricks that you took yeah. um squared so if you had oh. um two tricks you would have 14 points not bad you'd have 10 points plus the two squared if you um miss your bet you lose 10 points Ooh. and uh and that, that's basically it you you start off with a hand of two cards you can play up to however many cards you want you can go two cards up to seven cards so you'd play a two card hand mm. then a three card hand then a four hand oh. up to seven and then back down to two again and each time you're betting on how many tricks you're going to take. Up and down the funny river. is that uh, my best friend Tristan growing up, his family would play this game every New Year's Eve, like through to like 3 a.m. Down by the river or up no. and down the river. I don't, I don't remember what they called it. Yeah. And but this exact game that Harry's that, describing. It was the exact same yeah. game. Wow. And I, it, was used, it was great because we would like go to a New Year's party and it'd either be fun or it wouldn't be fun. We'd like get all tired and we'd come back and then we'd just play this game. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I like that you're like, oh, I'm too tired. I'm just going to go home and play a dry <laughs> game for like until 4 no, in the morning. It's a blast. It sounds fun. I'm sure. just The, the trick-taking genre, there are people who are obsessed with it. Like, you will find, like, when you go on these some of these board game geek profiles, it's like, this person plays every single one out there. And it's like, how are there so many? Like, yeah. who comes up with another, a fresh spin on trick-taking? <laughs> well, that's the thing about, like, games that are for sale, like Goris Maximus of Fox in the Forest. Like, okay, so you took a card ma card game and you reskinned it and then you sold it for $20. But, hey, you know, people are learning it. 
whatever works. And if it sells, then you're in good shape. But not for or against it. Yeah, you know, look, look, if it's a fun game, that's one thing. And you're nothing stops you from proxying it, especially if you said like with some of these games, it's like or up and down the river is just you can. It is meant for cards. Exactly. Yeah. So either way, it sounds like a fun game, and uh, I want to try that. And I wouldn't mind trying Gorus Maximus either. Yeah. Actually, I know they're out of fashion, but Shut Up and Sit Down had a feature on the essential card games, and mm-hmm. Fox in the Forest was one of them. Yeah. Along with Six Nimit, which is one of my favorite That's one of your games. Fa- all-time games. Yeah. First time I played Six Nimit was at uh, Mike and Vicky's place. Josh brought over, or Josh, uh, Joel brought over a copy of Six Nimit. It was the Walking Dead version of oh, it. It's hideous to look terrible at. Terrible like But you know what? But I got the original skin. Yeah, now you've got the, the better one. Yeah. The back in print, but... Anyway, that wraps up the show for this week, and uh, hopefully our Gen Con talk. I'm not saying I want to talk about Gen Con, but hopefully we've gotten it all out there so everyone's happy about our content. It makes it sound like I didn't just lie about YouTube going. But uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. I'm Jack. I'm Joel. And I'm your special guest, Harry. Oh, listen to that. Stay tuned. <laughs>